So this morning, we're going to open up and continue with Acts chapter uh, 15. We're going to pick up at the end, and we're going to um, read a little bit of Scripture in verse, or chapter 16 as well. Um, I'm going to kind of go through a lot of Scripture, so because of that, I'm not going to probably have you stand like we normally do to honor the reading of God's Word. So let's just take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for your Word today. I thank you that your Word is alive and it's active. I thank you that Jesus is in our midst today. And I thank you for um, your desire to cause us to encounter you. Father, let, let the fullness of your revelation come to our hearts and minds as we jump in together. We ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? All right. Um, so I just, I'll give you the heads up. Where I want to go is I actually want to do a communion. We're going to have a communion service at the end of our time together. And I really want to believe that God's going to actually heal and touch people because that's actually what it says in his word, and we're going to get there today. So if you have a need of healing in your body, I want to believe that today's your day. Um, but the Lord actually, I believe, gave me kind of a, a, a pre-work, I'll call it, before we get to the, the word today. Um, and this is the pre-work. You got to work with me here? So it might be like group interaction. Feel free to loosen up a little bit. How many, now I'm talking to people that, um, that have decided to follow Jesus. I understand there may be other people listening today. That's okay. We're, well, we're glad you're here. You're on your own journey with God. But for the moment, this is for people that have decided to follow Jesus. How many righteous people do we have today? All right. I love it. I love it. Here's why that's important. I'm going to read to you out of uh, 1 Corinthians, I think it's, uh, no, no, 2 Corinthians, I had it wrong in my notes, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, um, this is the prelude to getting to the message because this is really important, um, it talks about Jesus, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, you know that scripture? At the end of that it says this, in verse 21, it says, for he, God, who made him, Jesus, for he who made him, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Today's message is actually going to have a bit of a warning to it. Um, we're going to have a time to examine ourselves, and the Lord put it on my heart that if we don't recognize our standing before God as saints, then we'll come before the, the, the Word trying to get righteous instead of trying to encounter truth, who's a person. All right? So we're going to open up the Word today, and we're not trying to get righteous because Jesus already paid for that. You could try all day long, right? We're, we're, we're not going to be able to get there. But, but we're going we're to stand on what he did. We're going to believe that we're the righteousness of God in Christ today, which means, this is the crazy part, which means that when I get to heaven, I'm actually going to be no more righteous than I am today. You ever thought of that? That seems weird. But it's true, because righteousness isn't my own, it's, it's, it's in Christ. And it's really important, whenever we hear words of correction, admonishment, um, exhortation that are kind of trying to turn the ship a little bit, that we hear it from the right heart. Because Romans 8.1 says that there, there is therefore now no condemnation for the saints of God. Right? There's no word of condemnation for the saints, because Jesus took that condemnation. So that's where we're going this morning, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, our scripture we're starting with is Acts uh, 15.36. I don't know if I could preach, <laughs> I don't mean to be disrespectful, on a more mundane piece of scripture than what we're going to talk about, but I'm excited about it. <laughs> right? Isn't it all good? It's all good. 
And, and, and it's in here for a reason, right? It's in here for a reason. And so I hope today that as we, as we open it up, we begin to see what, what the reason is. Acts 15, uh, verse 36, we're going to read to the end of the chapter. Uh, this is, uh, let's see here. It says, then, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in, the, in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Pretty easy. Now Barnabas was determined to take with him, with them, John called Mark. Side note, let's remember, John Mark is actually a relative of Barney's, right? It says that, you can read that, and I think it's Galatians, but they're, they're relatives. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So uh, if you read back in Acts chapter 13, they're on their mission. Um, Mark, John Mark is with them, and he actually leaves to go home to Jerusalem. Um, he, for whatever reason, we don't, it doesn't really say, um, he, 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 he heads back. He, he, he decides to, to, to split ways with them. And Paul's a little bit frustrated with that, right? Verse 39, then the contention became so sharp. You ever been part of one of those? The contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barney took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So it's a really non-exciting story. Anybody with me? All right, anybody wondering where the heck I'm going to go with this? Me too. No, I'm joking. To summarize, really what this little story is about is actually division. I mean, I don't know, honestly, if, if the whole thing that happened between Barnabas and Paul and John Mark included anything that we would call sin. I don't know, that the, I don't know what happened in their heart, right? But nonetheless, it had two visions, die vision. You had two people having a different vision of what to do, and at the end there did one of those, let's agree to disagree and go our separate ways. Are, are you tracking? Like that, it's just this, this really weird thing that in the middle of watching the church just explode in the power of God and amazing, like God's doing this thing with the fellowship of the saints and he puts in there, hey, by the way, we had this moment that didn't really go that well. You know, I really wanted this to happen and people kind of split ways and did their own thing. Now, about this division, it was interesting to note, you, I don't think you can find anywhere where either of the participants actually um, maligned anybody else, all right? And, and it's interesting to note that later on, Paul actually... Uh, calls Barnabas a fellow apostle. He kind of honors him in that regard, and he actually says that um, John Mark was instrumental to his ministry. So there was clearly honor happening. They never lost that place of honor, but, but they're still kind of a mess. I use that term, I always use the term messy church. Like, things are messy because we're human, right? right? Anybody ever been in a situation where someone talks about their perfect family and you're thinking, oh, I don't... I don't fit in there. I got, I got issues, or I got, I got, you know, we got that one uncle, or we got things happening over here, and my family's not quite as perfect as yours. Well, nobody's got a perfect family. We like to pretend that's what things look like, but it's not true. The Lord came into our, our existence not to get rid of the mess, but to redeem us in the midst of it, right? To buy us back in the midst of it. So here's Paul and Barnabas and John Mark having this kind of issue, and the Lord sees fit to put it in the Word to what? To shame them? No, to encourage the saints. If you're in a place where there's, there's a little bit of a mess, I would say, hey, get some encouragement from the fact, not, not that you need to stay there, right? But they went through it too. So that's kind of the, the, the story there with Acts chapter 15. So the truth of the matter is, the Lord did this all over the place. 
right? The Lord told the story of one of my great heroes of the faith, Abraham, who just saw ridiculously cool things happen at the hand of God, and yet he was terrified in taking his wife somewhere and lied about her being his sister, I think on two occasions. That's not cool, Abe. And David, right, David sees a pretty lady and decides to snatch her up, most likely raped her, if you're going to be honest, and then killed her husband. That's not cool, right? These are, these are heroes of the faith. Or, or Jonah, he's got a whole book written about him. <laughs> I hear your laughter. So I, I just think it's worth noting as we go on this that when we come to church and we open the book, the, the living word of God, it's not, it's not to shame us in our lack of perfection. It's to realize that Jesus loves redeeming people who need redemption. Amen. He just does. And no matter where we're at today and whatever mess we're in relationally, I just want to encourage us that Jesus can make a way, right? Jesus can bring life where it looks like death. He can bring light where it looks like darkness. He can bring unity where it looks like brokenness. He just does that really good. So that's the first backdrop. By the way, we're going to read uh, two sections of Acts, and then we're going to talk about communion. So keep this in the back of your mind. And the second one is Acts chapter 16. We're going to keep going for the first five verses. So they had some division, they went their separate ways, and then Acts chapter 16, verse 1, then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. In certain cultures, he'd be called a mudblood. You'll understand it. If you understand it, he's just got two lines of heritage. Somebody left over there, you got that. So he's got two lines of heritage, Jewish, and he's got Greek, Right? And so in that day and age, that, that's a problem. Um, it kind of is. Um, he was well spoken of by the... So the, the Greeks here really treated the Jews terribly. They have a past history. Some, I actually had read one commentator saying it would almost be alike um, if you, were, you had a, 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 somebody with like a German heritage after World War II. There's, there could just be mistrust. There could just be... a. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of history there. You ever, you ever have history? There's a lot of history there that the Jews are probably processing through. So Timothy came from two lines, Greek and, and, and Jewish. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Um, Paul wanted to have him go with him, and he took him, and he circumcised him. Does that strike anybody as weird? If you were here last week when Pastor Justin talked about circumcision, that might strike you as weird, that Paul had him in... In, uh, <clears throat> and had him snip-snipped, and because the Jews, it says, because of the Jews who were with him in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek, and as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers. Does anybody have a question about these first five verses? Am I the only one that read that, and you're like, wait a minute. I just read chapter 15, and this doesn't really kind of jive with what we heard last week. You know what I'm saying? So in chapter 15, he was talking all about, like, do we need to circumcise Jews who believe? And kind of the end thing they came to after going to Jerusalem was like, no, let's just make sure they don't eat the blood of strangled animals and a few other things, right? Which was really interesting. And so now he gets to Timothy, and he says, well, does he need... Why, why would Timothy get circumcised? Why would Paul do that? And there's really actually two thoughts on this, and I'll give you both of them, and you can make a choice for whichever one you think it is. The first thought in, in, um, in, in the Christian world is actually that Timothy made an error, I'm sorry, Paul made an error, and that he shouldn't have done that. And you could, you could figure out why, and it's because, you know, like Paul himself preached on multiple occasions that circumcision wasn't necessary, 
right? It doesn't add to our salvation. We, can't, we don't get saved because of circumcision. That's not necessary. So there's actually a small group of people who believe he actually was in error, and he might have been, right? Because so much of what we do is in our heart. I don't know what his, their hearts were. Um, but the second option, which I think is more practical, and I'll, I'll probably tell you why here, is because they weren't acting in fear. They weren't acting in doubt. They weren't just afraid and chose to get circumcised so they didn't get beat up by the, um, the Jewish community. I mean, Paul had already gotten beat up by the community. He was, he was kind of okay with it, right? He, it seems like he went back for more. Um, but he was actually acting in faith. And you say, how would circumcision be acting in faith? <clears throat> Do you know that in that day, I think it's in Galatians 2, it actually says that if you, were, if you were Jewish, you couldn't even eat a meal with an uncircumcised man, let alone sit under their ministry. So Paul says to Timothy, hey, you want to go on a missions trip with me? Well, you know, you got to fill out this this form, we'll get you your little check, we'll get you your whatever, and there's a little something else. <laughs> right? I mean, what, what he's doing is he's setting Timothy up for success. If you want to get into this people, this, this is the door to get into them. You don't, need to, you don't need to be circumcised to get in with God. It's not necessary. There's, it's not necessary at all. But it is necessary if you want to minister to this people. And so Timothy's sitting here, I mean, I'm just going to walk through my, my own opinion. We're going to make this up in my head, so this is loose. But Timothy's, I, if I were him, I'd be like, okay, I, whoa, whoa. Like, okay, I get it. Like, I'm also an adult. <laughs> whoa, what's going on here? That's kind of a high price to pay to, to minister to some people. Can I just share the gospel? Can I just give them a track? Can I just let you go and I'll pay for it? And Paul says, no, Timothy, I want you to go with me, but to get into the door, to get into the people there's something you're going to have to do. And I think that's so wild because on the one hand, um, Paul just had this kind of issue with Barnabas and they couldn't see eye to eye and they, and they went their separate ways. And then the very next part of Scripture, the Lord's showing us someone who so saw eye to eye, they so decided, we're going to preach, we're going to minister to this crew that even if I have to, if I have to get surgery to do it, I'll do it. Man, if I... No matter what it takes, I'm going to make that happen so that I can get in and I can preach the message. Now, he could have said, well, hey, I'm a believer. I don't need to. I have, I have my rights. I'm free in Christ. Isn't that true? Would he have been wrong? No, he wouldn't have been wrong if he just decided to say, I'm free in Christ and I'm not going to. He wouldn't have been wrong scripturally. Would he have been able to minister to those people? I don't know. Right? And I just think it's such a powerful example of us preferring one another, laying down our rights to say, Jesus, I'll do whatever you want. You know, here's our job description the Lord gives us. It's actually a blank sheet of paper, and the Lord just wants us to say, yes, I'll do it. And then he fills in the, the job description later. That's the Christian life, right? That, well, well, does that mean that I have to work this job that I hate? Maybe, if the Lord says so. Right? Does that mean that I have to, you know, get up for this prayer time? Maybe. Maybe. Why, why do you have me, take, Lord, taking care of this person? They, they just need to take care of themselves. The Lord says, you know what? I want you to keep taking care of them. You don't really know their story, but they need, they need someone to come alongside of them right now. This, this continual laying our life down to say, Jesus, I'll do whatever you say. I'll just sign my name to the bottom, say, yes, Lord, and you fill in the blank, right? You give me my marching orders later. Paul, Paul explained it this way in, in 1 Corinthians 9. He actually said these words where he said, to the Jews I became like a Jew 
to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I just think that's so powerful. In our day and age where we're sitting here and if, if you know, we have our apps on our phone with our news and our TV we're watching and everything about society is like, I want to tell you why you're not like them. Right? I want to tell you this is your rights. So you have a right to say, hey, I'm, I'm this persuasion or I have this ideology and, and they're terrible and they're wrong and it's all about finding enemies. Timothy's finding a way to get into a population that honestly he's, he's half-like, he's half-Jew, he understands the culture, he just never was circumcised. And he did what, it, he, it did what he needed to do to get in to actually preach them. And I think that's so powerful, powerful for us. If we would, Lord, if I would just figure out what is it you want me to lay down today? What am I holding on to so tightly that if I just give it up, you might find that God gives us favor in that, that very area? I think that's really powerful. Uh, Paul was honoring, he was loving, he was preferring his Jewish brothers and sisters. You know, that reminds me of something else around here. And it's a saying we have that says, we'll do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. You ever heard that? It's one of our core values. And I think that's exactly what he's saying. I'll do any, was it sin for Timothy to get circumcised? I don't think so. I think he was doing anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. Do whatever I need to do to love the one in front of me. And I think that's so powerful. And it's so countercultural. Right? That's, our, that's not how our culture works. This is, this, is what I, this is my freedom. This is my individuality. This is who I am. And I get that. That's cool. But there's more. And when we begin, you, you can never outgive God. So when you give something up, like your freedom like that, if you give something up, the only thing you're going to get on the other side is more freedom. It's not bondage. You, you can't outgive God. So as Timothy puts that on the line and he lays that down as a sacrifice, say, God, I'm going to do that, I, I guarantee you the Lord met him. Man, right? How many know that to be true? Like the Lord just met him. All right, so those are our two things. <clears throat> the end of Acts 15 is an honest description of division in the ranks, it's true. Um, the, the word, uh, the, the word uh, in the scripture actually means an angry dispute or a sharp disagreement. So no matter how you kind of slice it, there's division in the ranks. And number two, the beginning of Acts 16 is, is literally about preferring one another over yourself. Which I'd say are two things that we all, as Christians, deal with on a regular basis, right? It's just life. It happens. All right, so that's, that's going to be our backdrop to what we talk about today. So that was that was the backdrop. But what we're going to go to is 1 Corinthians, yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, um, verses 17. And you know, you know that scripture we always use for communion on the night that Jesus was betrayed? He took the cup. You know that one? So that's the scripture we're using, but we're going to read before it, and we're going to read after it to kind of the fullness of what's going on there. 1 Corinthians 11. Sorry, I've got to get there. Verses 17 through 22. All right, so Paul, just so you know, in Corinthians, had just gotten done talking about stuff from fleeing from idolatry and like head coverings and, and all this stuff that had to do with community and how the church, I mean, Corinthians is all about that, how the church is supposed to function as the church. It's a book about like uh, living life together and what the church looks like and correcting some errors. And now he gets on to communion and he says, now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you. Starting off really well. Since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. That is an encouraging word. For first of all, 
He's got the gift of encouragement. He sh Barney should have stuck with him. For first of all, when you come together among you, I'm sorry, for first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe in. For there must also be factions among you, and those that are approved may be recognized among you. So what he's saying in the first couple of verses is obviously, hey, I, I don't want to condemn you. I don't want to encourage. It's bad that you're divided. <laughs> the words were failing me. It's bad that you're divided. However, there's some division that you need to have. We need to divide. We need to understand what's approved by God and what's not approved, right? I mean, otherwise we just don't have truth and we don't have, but he's, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about division among the people. And he goes on to kind of hit on it a little bit. Um, verse 20, Therefore, when you come together in one place, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. Okay, so um, I guess what they would used to do is have something called a love feast, and they would have a lot of people would come together for a big feast. And um, after that feast, they would take communion and what Paul is saying here is, hey, when you guys come together to do maybe the only thing, I don't know, I'm, I'm spitballing here, it might be the only way that Jesus actually gave us and prescribed to us an act of worship. Outside of the Lord's Prayer, he actually told us all about communion and what we're to do, right? This is a really big deal. And he says, when you come together for that meal, you have some people leaving drunk, you have some people leaving hungry, they didn't get anything. Like, what is going on? Like, this is a pretty sharp rebuke. And what he's doing is he's rebuking them on two counts. They're divided, and they're not preferring one another. They're not loving the one in front of them. They're not doing anything short of sin to love that person that God put in front of them. And that is how Paul begins his whole kind of thing on communion, which I find really fascinating. When you guys come together, in other words, he's like, could you just come together with one heart? Could you come together and it really not just be about you in the moment, but it's about the church. It's about the one in front of you. You know, if you're going to share a meal, share a meal. Don't let somebody go, back, go away hungry. I joke. Coming from an Italian family, that would be like a, a mortal sin. Uh, what do you... Verse 22. What do you not know? Do you not have houses, rather, to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I don't. So he has this really bizarre little rebuke. And this morning, I don't, I don't share this as any sort of rebuke to the church, but it's really interesting because where it goes. So we're going to skip the next section, which is a communion section, and we're going to do communion here at the end. And we'll read that. Don't worry. But let's kind of jump ahead, if you don't mind, to verse 27. <clears throat> okay, so he sets the stage. There's, there's issues. And then he kind of delves into why that's a problem. Verse 27, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man, that seems pretty heavy, by the way, but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason... Many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. I told you, Martha, we should have just gone out to breakfast. <laughs> it's kind of intense, but I think sometimes I miss that, right? I'm so used to doing communion once a month, right? 
we get the juice, we joke about the cellophane because Pastor Tom can never open it, and we, we have communion together, we kind of do our thing. But literally in that verse, it says that there is a reason, and it has to do with communion, that, that very last portion, it says, for this reason, verse 30, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That's pretty crazy. Wow. Wow, what if communion wasn't just something we did as like a, a religious observance once a month, but what if, what if in communion, literally the power of the cross was available to every believer? What if we were to remember what Jesus did, not just because the Lord wanted us to recount a religious observance, but because God wanted to give us yet another opportunity for his grace to redeem us? for forgiveness to roll in our heart, for healing to touch our body. Wouldn't that be amazing? And I think what's going on here is you, when we read that scripture, if, if you're like me, for, you, might, uh, you might kind of blow through that because you're like, I don't really understand what's going on. Um, but let's unpack it just for a second because I think it's so worthwhile. The scripture, that, the part that says that uh, for those who eat and drink without dis- discerning the body of Christ or the body of the Lord. Actually, Christ and the Lord aren't in the Greek. It literally says that don't discern the body, which is really interesting because it leads to another, another two ideas of what that scripture means. I, had one, I read one uh, theologian said it, that that actually could be one of the hardest pieces of scripture for him to, to figure out because it's so ambiguous. And I think my opinion, totally Tom's opinion, I think it's ambiguous on purpose because I don't think it means one or the other. I think it means both. So one way to read the scripture is we don't discern the Lord's body. We don't recognize when we take the bread, right? So we're going to have communion in a minute. And this little wafer would have, would have represent Jesus' body being broken at the Last Supper, right? They actually broke the little bread. And it's supposed to recognize the fact that uh, Isaiah 53 said that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. It's supposed to say when Jesus went to the cross, when he went through his passion, he actually paid something for us. And I think what Paul's saying here is, hey guys, when you have communion, don't just eat it all up. It's really good flatbread. We're in the Middle East. It's like the best ever. Don't do that. Take a moment and recognize it. You're actually partaking in a promise, right? That Jesus actually went and he was wounded. He was bruised. And that was a payment for not only your sicknesses, but for your, I'm sorry, not only your sins, but your sicknesses. And that Interestingly enough, a, a, friend, a couple friends of mine and I were having a conversation this, this, this uh, week about that scripture. It's Isaiah 53 that talks about prophetically what Jesus did at the cross. And if you read it, it's really interesting because it talks about being bruised for the, your uh, iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And um, it doesn't really too much go into depth about healing. But yet in, in Matthew chapter 8, um, it says that Jesus, they, they brought to Jesus everyone who was oppressed of the devil and he healed them all. He healed every disease. And then it says, to fulfill what was spoken in Isaiah, the prophet, Isaiah 53, 4, that he was bruised for iniquity. Like he, they quote that verse because the way that the word was translated in the, in, the, in the Hebrew could mean sicknesses and sin or it could mean healing. And Jesus was saying, I want you to know that what I paid for, and he hadn't even paid for it yet, what I'm about to pay for pays for your bodies as well. It pays for sickness. That there's nowhere in the New Testament where you can see that Jesus ever once said to somebody, well, I can't, pray for, I can't heal you because that's just my Father's will that he would get glory from that sickness. That never happens in the life of Jesus. 
But what you can see in the life of Jesus is that every person that walked up to him and said, Jesus, would you heal me? Even the ones with little faith, even the ones, there was one guy that said, if, if you can. Talk about low faith. You're telling God, if you can. Even those people got healed. Which tells me this, that the grace and mercy of God is way more important than the level of my faith as we co-labor with him in ministry. You get in a situation where you feel overwhelmed by, by the situation, take a moment, get overwhelmed by the goodness of God and realize, no, 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 Jesus paid a price for this person today. Today there's people watching us online that I know of personally that are, are, are online because they're not feeling well. They're very sick, some of them. And today when we, when we take communion, I want us as a body to begin to pray not just for our healing but for theirs. So Paul says that we're not discerning the Lord's body. Back to that scripture, it says, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of the Lord, eat and drink judgment on themselves. The second part or option to that discerning the Lord's body, I think is what he's also saying is you're not discerning the body of Christ. He's like, this whole section is about fellowship. This whole section is about how the church, the people of God, are fit together and are supposed to function together. And I think what Paul says is when we don't prefer one another, when we let the, the messiness of life mess with our heart, we actually miss out from the blessing of God because each joint, the scripture says, is supposed to supply to one another. If one is, 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 is hurting, we're all supposed to hurt. If one's joyful, we're all supposed, we're so supposed to be in like a symbiotic relationship, like we're one organism, one body in Christ. We're supposed to work together, amen, so that if somebody is in need of, of healing, if if somebody's going after God and they just haven't been able to pursue or see or experience the healing we know that they're going after or praying for, that at some point we lift their hands up like they lift up Moses and said, you know what, brother, you're exhausted. Just stop praying. I'm going to pray from here on out. I'm going to believe God for you, and I'm going to lay hold of heaven until you get what God promised you. What if that was the reason it said, what Paul encouraged us and said, hey, look at you're failing to discern the body. It's not just about me at communion, but it's about us. I think he was encouraging us to look ahead to a day when we functioned as one. Now, the, the Bible says that the, 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 there is a unity in the spirit. We're to preserve it. We're not to create it. That we preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. But I think he's giving us a glimpse of as we walk that out and we guard our own heart and we let those kind of, you know, because it's true, we all have little weirdnesses. I mean, I was even at, um, talking with Justin this week and he said, how you doing? And I just said, kind of unloaded on him. I'm like, honestly, this is how I'm doing. Blah. You know, we just sometimes have stuff. Anybody else have stuff? Don't make me feel like a loser. Um, <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have stuff. And as the body comes together, uh, men's morning prayer or um, the Appeal to Heaven group this morning is a great um, example of that. They just broke up into groups of four or five and we just said, hey, let's minister to one another. That's so life-giving. The body of Christ begins to take on each other's burdens, begins to pray for one another. And I'll tell you what, I think what Paul's saying is if we don't forget the fact that what Jesus bought and paid for and we, we link arm in arm in faith with our brothers and sisters, I think there's no stopping us. I think that's the truth. I think that's what he's getting at in this scripture. All right, so now is going to be time to kind of uh, have communion. You guys ready? But we're going to do a little something different, if I can find. I think each of you got on the way in a little bookmark. And for our friends that are online, um, it's a bookmark that on the front just has some scriptures about examining ourselves. Because in this scripture, Paul actually encourages us, it says, to examine yourself. 
but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat the bread and drink the cup. If you're online today and you would like one of these, um, unfortunately one of these as supplies last, but I think I have enough, I think an email address is going to come up. It's my email address. If you want to email me your name and address, I will get one out in the mail to you this week. On the front is um, scriptures about examining yourself, but on the back, I just want to read some stuff as we kind of um, move into a time of communion. <clears throat> so we're going to take a couple minutes before we go into communion, and we're going, to tr- we're going to put into practice what the scripture actually says, which is let's just take a moment, examine ourselves. But we're going to do it from the context of there's no condemnation for the Christian. Amen? And that you have perfectly right standing before the Father because of Jesus. That doesn't mean that we we don't have anything to change. It just changes the dynamic of the conversation when the Father says, hey, Tom, I want you to adjust this. Or Tom, did did you think about this? Tom, you never actually responded when I called you here. Like, There's just no condemnation. So that's the examination we're going to do. We're not going to go to a place of defeat. We're not going to go to a place of shame because shame is a tool of the enemy. All right? Gospel Christians have no use for the tool of shame. It should not be in our toolbox. Amen? Yeah. So listen to this. I'm just going to read. I think it is. um, It's Galatians 5, 13, 14, and then the little piece on the back of this. Um, So much of the scripture is about the fellowship of the believers and how we connect together in the mess of life and all that kind of stuff. So it says this on the back. It says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then the writer of this little bookmark said on the back, which I think is so encouraging, he says, We are to serve one another in love. Many people talk about serving the Lord, but never serve their fellow believers. I do not know how much you can really serve the Lord if you're not willing to serve your fellow believers because the Lord comes to us in the members of his body. Our attitude toward those members is really our attitude toward the Lord himself. All right, so I think our friends here are going to play a little something. um, And I just want to take a moment. I'm going to open us up. And let's just take 90 seconds, a couple minutes, and say, God, would you examine my heart? Help me. Is there, is there a place maybe I've divided myself from a brother and sister? Is, is there a mess that you want me to clean up this week? I don't want to just come willy-nilly into communion. Is there a place that I can better strengthen the church and, 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 and prefer my brother or sister? We don't have to agree, but I do want to love them. I do want to serve them. And I think this morning, if, you, if you're stuck in, in, in formulating words, turn that little thing over and just read some scripture out loud to the Lord. So, Father, as we open up this time, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just come and move on our hearts and tweak things and shine lights in places and bring freedom in every area you need us to bring freedom.
Scripture says that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O Lord, you do not despise. I get this picture of all of us. I'll just say me. And this, this is really true. I walk in on Sunday morning and I have my little bag of garbage with me. Right? It's just life's garbage. I'm not saying it's sin, but there's some Sundays sin might be in there. Right? Let's just be honest. But it's messy relationships. It's maybe not uh, loving like I should or uh, I broke trust with somebody, whatever it is. And sometimes we're so, it's so difficult for us to deal with that thing because we don't realize all we need to do is confess it and confess means to agree. All it is is, God, I got this bag of garbage. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I don't know how to make it better. I don't even know how to throw it away. But I got it and it stinketh. Father, I pray that every bag of garbage that we brought into church with us today, every word of condemnation and shame that's over the saints of, of the living God, every maybe sin or sin, sin structure we're in and every, every uh, bondage that's happening, every, every bit of garbage, Lord, may we just acknowledge it in your presence for what it is and say, Lord, what do I do with it? And then the victory comes when he tells you, this is the way, walk in it, and you just do it. You guys up for that this morning? Why don't you stand with me? We're going to take communion together. <clears throat> wow, I just sense, I don't know if you guys, I just sense the sweet presence of the Lord in this place. Anybody with me? All right. Now this is our scripture. I pray it breathes new life in us. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. I want everyone to break their bread. I think that the, the fact of breaking that little piece of bread is remembering that Jesus went through something, right? It was a painful experience. It wasn't just a, 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 another good sermon. He actually paid a price so that as we take communion today, you and I could be healed in the name of Jesus. We're going to take this, and I want to pray. If that's you, if you have any sickness in your body, I just want you to put your hand on that place where you're sick. If you have some maybe even mental illness that you're struggling with, just put your hand right on your heart. If you're out watching online, I know we got friends out there that are, are, are dealing with some hard stuff from COVID to other problems. We, we, we know it. You, you've shared it with us. We're standing with you today. Jesus said, take this. Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, we remember today that you paid a price for your church to prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. Let's take and eat that together today. Lord, I thank you in the name of Jesus that this isn't just a, another, another churchy moment that we have, but we at New Life love to do things on purpose and in faith. And so I pray in this moment that cancer would bow its knee to Jesus' name. Lord, in this moment, I pray that COVID would bow its knee to Jesus' name. Lord, right now I pray for diabetes. I pray that it would bow its knee to Jesus' name. Father, like in Acts chapter 4, I ask that you would stretch out your hand over your people. And that with many signs and wonders, you would confirm your word this morning in Jesus' mighty name.
In the same manner, he also took the cup. And after supper, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I think what we're proclaiming in the Lord's death is that there's nothing left for the Father to do. He's given his all, <laughs> and that's good enough. So Lord, today as we, as we drink the cup together, we just, we just we ask your forgiveness for every time we've partnered with shame and condemnation, and we choose this day to stand in our rightful place as a child of God. We choose this day to, to believe about us what your word says about us, and we thank you that you gave your all, and we pray that we would do the same. In Jesus' mighty name, amen? Let's drink together. Well, I hope this morning was a helpful time. I hope as we take communion from now on that maybe like me, you needed a little refresher in examining yourself. You could even bring this card along and just say, hey, I'm going to examine myself I'm going to let God do something in my heart. Lord, I thank you for the church of the living God. I thank you for a people that is so in love with you and so passionate about your presence. There is such a hunger in this place for what God is about to do. I pray that this week we wouldn't wait till next Sunday, but everywhere we go, in our our little realm of influence, there would be revival, there would be an open heaven, that we would share the love of Jesus, that we would bring the gospel to everyone we meet, I ask in Jesus' mighty name. Give us creative ways to break through, creative ways to love, creative ways to prefer people, to love people in front of us. And Lord, let your power come. Let your ministry, let your uh, Holy Spirit power come and move on our midst in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, I had a wonderful Sunday. Thank you guys and have a great week.